0: Everybody, Welcome back to the Bad Yogi Podcast with me, Erin Motz. If you're new around here, we talk about all things yoga, wellness, lifestyle, and pretty much everything in between, but with a bad yogi twist, so not your typical yoga podcast. And if you're not new around here, uh, you're used to just me oftentimes, but today I have my uh, honestly, my co-host. My co-host in life, but also on the podcast today, Adrian the and Frenchman.
1: Started out with a gross note.
0: <laughs> it's not gross, it's charming.
1: Um okay.
0: Is it? No. Is it? <laughs> it's gross. Well, okay, so we're a little bit gross, but if you don't know, Adrian is my business partner, but also my husband. And uh, we met in a yoga class, fun fact, about 12, almost 12 years ago now. Mm. All right. You know what? Nobody cares, right? <laughs> no, I think we're, Moving we're on.
1: Past introductions. Yeah.
0: So today I actually wanted to bring um, Adrian into this conversation because today we're going to be talking all about that inner critical voice that we all have. Um, some of us have it more often than others, but I think it's something we can. Did
1: you just look at me?
0: No. Okay,
1: it just looked like you looked at me I'm when literally... you said that. Some of us have it. Some of us just seem to be an emphasis. I'm just saying. Wink, okay, go wink.
0: Ahead. Anyway, some of us have it more than others, but you know, I think it's something we can all relate to because it it moves in phases. So I'm just gonna start off and say that I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna share my personal inner critic, and I think the first thing that comes you to mind. You can't my... say it's me. <laughs> You're my outer critic. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. We have fun. Okay. Um, my, my biggest inner critic or my loudest inner critic in my personal life is actually in my everyday French interactions. And I have to clarify one thing because, and actually you pointed this out to me. I often say that I don't speak French, but that's not a hundred percent true by American standards. I speak French. Uh, it's just that you know, when I'm out and about, I speak French in town. I speak French when I have to, to French people, but it's not perfect. And I'm a little embarrassed because I know I make lots of mistakes and I'm just in my mind. I always have that voice. That's like, you're so stupid. How do you not speak this language already? And also everyone thinks you're really weird. Everyone here, I bet thinks you're a total weirdo and they think you're really dumb. This is the conversation in my head when I'm in the world trying to be French.
1: Oh, I thought you I thought you read my journal. Um oh my God. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just I'm just joking. No, yeah, so so uh, well first of all I like how you say by American standards without clarifying what that means exactly.
0: All right, so in America, in general, and I am generalizing, and for the record, I am American. Oh boy, Ameri- <laughs>
1: here come the hate comments. No,
0: I am American too. But I, I used to be like this as well. If somebody speaks like 50 words of another language. You're like, oh, you speak that language. Like, people put this on a resume that they speak a language and, like, you really kind of don't. You just can get by. I took
1: uh, Spanish in high school. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. I speak French enough to get around. I can do things by myself.
1: Yeah, you do really well.
0: When we're out, like, it's not it's not a problem. There are words that I miss, but it's fine. I think the main thing is that I would not put it on a resume because it's not like I can philosophize and have very deep conversations in French. I cannot. So I don't know. This is just it gets in my head because I get a surprising amount of comments from people who were like, Wow, how dumb are you that you haven't gotten fluent in this language yet? Somebody called me a dumb bitch. (laughs) And so then On a video
1: you posted like a year ago.
0: Exactly. And then I, I this guy in my head, and I was joking with someone, like half joking with someone the other day, and I was like, "My God, maybe I am a little bit of a dumb bitch if I can't figure this out." So you know, I, this is like my personal life inner critic. But where's your? What does your personal life inner critic tell you?
1: Oh mm-hmm. man, which one? <laughs> um, so well, I say which one funnel, you know, joking, but it is true that there are definitely more than one. Um, there's to be specific five, uh, main ones, which, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I know. We're
0: judging you hard. Oh,
1: I know. You should be. So are they. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so, so, uh, personal life, I I think most of them, most of the ones that I have are, are related to more business and personal life. So I don't know that I would have too, too many. Actually, no, that's probably not true. I think there's a lot in terms of. Um, holding up to certain standards of um, knowledge, like I remember when I was eight, I was uh, I was younger, um, I got a flat tire and it was my first flat tire that I had, and I didn't know what to do right away, and I just it and I did something super stupid in trying to change the tire. As a result, like I, was, I was really kind of going hard on myself because I was like, well, you know, you're, you're, you should know this, and, and your, your dad at his age, at your age, would know this, and all this kind of stuff. So all of that kind of played, it plays into the things that I feel I should know at any given level. Um, on one hand, it motivates me, but on another hand, it does kind of um, criticize me more than is necessary. But I think we'll probably touch on that a little bit later.
0: Oh, definitely. I think, you know, if you're listening, this hopefully will be interesting because Adrian and I, I think, represent two different ty- distinct types of people, you know? So for me, I am the A type... man
1: and the woman.
0: No, okay, false. Not what I'm getting <laughs> <False>. at. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's true, but that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is... My vice is being a sloth. I've said this before. Like I love to be lazy. I mean, you know, it doesn't serve me at all. But that's my vice. Uh, your vice is overworking yourself to the bone. So I think our inner critics sound very different. So this should be kind of an interesting. Uh, for those of you listening, like I think you might identify with me, or you might identify with Adrian. It'll be cool to kind of see how the other thinks. I think this was exciting for Hashtag me.
1: Hashtag Team Adrian.
0: Oh, no, he did not. Okay, but I wanted to say something that made me... I thought of it when you were talking. How often the inner critic starts with should, like that word being a part of the inner critic's criticism. Like, you should be able to do this thing, or you should be at this other place in life when you're not. You should be able to. I really should do. I really should be. And I think that's kind of what gets us in a lot of trouble with the inner critic, because... I don't know. I actually think that without the shame, the inner critic could serve a purpose. Dare I say? Do you get what I'm saying?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you're you're talking to someone who embraces uh, his inner critics a lot of more times than he should. So yeah, it definitely so, so serves a purpose. It puts a fire under your ass.
0: Yeah, and I <laughs> I think especially. And, and I think maybe maybe there's a distinction because I think there's there's an inner critic, but maybe if the critic sounds more like a coach, a good coach, then it serves a purpose. Because for me, right, my vice is, is laziness as being a sloth. So I know that that quote unquote critic or coach, if you want to call it the better side of, of the critic um When I'm at the gym or when I'm on my yoga mat and I'm kind of phoning it in, like I'm being a little bit lazy, I'm not really fully there, that coach or that critic chimes in and is like, hey, you got to go, like you're here, put in the work, put in the time, get it done. And I do. So I think there can be an attachment to the critic that maybe it's like, maybe I need this criticism in order to propel myself forward. And I actually wanted to ask you about this uh, specifically, Adrian, because obviously it's not true that we need the criticism, but maybe we need a coach. So as someone with many critics, <laughs> you, how do you personally separate out when it's useful versus when it's just sort of shaming and overly critical?
1: Um, that's an interesting question for somebody who struggles with that. Um, I, I, no, I wouldn't even say I struggle with separating them out I would say that I struggle with wanting to um, separate them out. I I think I credit my critics with a lot of my work ethic, um, and I am often afraid of seeing what I would be if it weren't for them. So if I didn't have this constant berating of, of like you need to be doing doing more of this, more of that, and that's that's it is a problem I know because when I when I joked about having many critics, I actually do have like archetypes of, of critics in my head and uh, in my head that really sounded weird and it sounded like I have voices in my head, but anyway, we all do. <laughs> but I have these different and they're different like perfect almost um, TV movie montage versions of. Like certain types of people, like the the hard sales guy, the the Wall Street guy, the 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 Harvard guy, the 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 startup guy. You know, there's all these different kind of archetypes of people that all see things very differently. And in it, it, as I kind of construct them, they're the extreme versions of themselves, uh, versions that don't even really exist in real life, and they're constantly kind of critiquing every decision that I make a big part of that is it it, it can be helpful in certain realms um when taking on certain projects but it can quickly quickly become detrimental when I'm trying to do something and I've got basically these people arguing with each other as to which is the best route and no matter what I do each route is flawed because they themselves don't agree. Um, I, we, we watch the show Shark Tank and it's kind of fun because you got these five entrepreneurs or four or five entrepreneurs who are basically uh, judging these companies that they're gonna invest in, potentially, and it's funny to see that these people who have, who have by, by all financial means uh, or, or measures succeeded, don't agree on what makes a success, don't agree on what make, makes a, a good company or a good owner, or a good founder always. So when they don't agree, it's like, imagine having the entire panel not agreeing, critiquing every one of your moves. It's very, it becomes kind of, uh, almost like it freezes you. And so instead of motivating you. So I think that's the big difference for me between when they go too far is if it it stops me from acting versus encourages encourages me from acting. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely makes sense. I, I think whenever the critic starts to outweigh the positive self-talk, that's when we get stuck. It starts to become anxiety-inducing. So I think that's actually a really good, if you're keeping notes or anything, That's that's a really good point is, how do you know when to like push yourself and stay motivated versus like, oh, self-love, take it easy. YOLO. YOLO, yeah. I think differentiating between the critic and the coach is a good distinction to make because the critic comes with shame. The critic comes with anxiety. The coach wants you to do well. The coach is rooting you on. The coach will push you to do better, but only because the coach wants for you what you want for you. So I think that's a... Did I kind of get? What do yeah, you Yeah, no, think no, I'm no. Ex- that,
1: that's a very good yeah. uh, kind of way way of separating them out. I know for me, most of them are critics.
0: Mm. They don't
1: care about me; they care about their own egos in mm-hmm. their own ways, and about being right.
0: Exactly, exactly, and I, I think. This is a good time to pause because we're going to come back and talk about how to silence those inner critics, how to recognize when it's a critic versus when it's your coach. Um, But I want to interrupt and actually introduce you to one of our very first Bad Yogi podcast sponsors. So listen up. Yep, that's right. The Bad Yogi podcast is growing up and that means we get to work with sponsors. But as you'd expect, in true Bad Yogi form, we're only working with a few companies that we actually like and respect. So this week's sponsor is a company that makes products I've been looking forward to using for so long, Living Proof. Living Proof makes amazing hair care products, but what I'm most excited about is that it's finally a company that actually makes good quality hair care products that are also cruelty free, silicone free, paraben free, and safe for color. I don't know if it's the same for you, but I always try to go with the most eco-friendly products, but then so many times they just don't work as well. And I know I can't be the only person with this problem. So I was excited when we were able to work with Living Proof because I felt like not only is this a company with morals I can get behind, but also a company that doesn't just rest on those morals. They use science to formulate natural products that work. Living Proof has a full line of products for everything from frizz to damage to getting that extra fullness that you want. Yes, please. So if you're interested in checking them out, head over to livingproof.com slash yogi and use promo code yogi to get a free sample of their award-winning dry shampoo with your purchase. That's livingproof.com slash yogi promo code yogi for a free sample of dry shampoo with your purchase. And now back to our chat. So jumping right back into it, let's sort through this a little bit. Like we said, I think there is a difference between a critic, your inner critic and your inner coach, we'll call it. And for me personally, one of the things that I can immediately tell if I'm listening to my inner critic is that comes with some shame or some anxiety uh, with the critic. So for example, I'll use like a personal example, okay? And nobody, nobody send me any hate mail for this. It's just my own personal experience. But let's say we're gonna go to the beach and I put on my bathing suit. And sometimes we have those moments where we look in the mirror and we think, oh my gosh, I look so bad or fill in the blank with whatever negative adjective you typically use. Bad, pale, fat. Cellulite, whatever it is, you know? And for me, the alarm, the critic alarm is when I'm focused on something that is strictly superficial and focused on something that makes me feel shame. When I'm listening to my inner coach, sometimes I'll think, oh, I don't feel very good right now. Why is that? And sometimes if I don't feel very good, very confident, it might just be that I haven't been doing anything to take care of myself. So whether that's eating wholesome, nutritious food or making sure I stick with my yoga habit, forgetting about the physical outcome of those things, doing them makes you feel good. And so I think when I'm listening to my coach, my inner coach, it's saying, remember, you don't feel good because you're not treating yourself well. Change your habits, and you'll feel better. The inner critic says, "Well, what's the point? You look pretty bad anyway, so we'll just forget trying anything different." So that's kind of my personal example. How do you, you know, do you have a way of think of recognizing? Oh, this is my inner coach versus this is my inner critic.
1: Yeah, that that's that's a tough one to recognize. Um, um, I feel like. Left alone, I would be a pretty motivated person I would be pretty active i would be uh, I would definitely work hard I would have a good work ethic but that extra that extra level on a regular base that tears me down after a while that's that's the critic um, when one starts and when the other ends uh, as you put it the coach and the critic it is very difficult to to See, the one difference that I have noticed is when I am in any type of like combat or game time or play, but you know, like it's time to, it's time to go. If the critic, if, if, if the voice that I'm hearing is still badgering me, still being the drill sergeant and it's game time, then I know that's the critic because you don't take your drill sergeant with you to battle the drill sergeant is great for practice it's great for for training it's great for when you need to get your ass up at five in the morning and 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 practice but it is horrible to have that in your ear over your shoulder during game during the game during the battle whatever the battle is for you so I think that that that's a big differentiator for me is when I'm hearing those voices. If it's time for me to perform and I'm hearing, you know, any type of critiques, uh, as opposed to encouragement, then then that's definitely the critic. Because I think at game time is when when the encouragements should come out. You can always go back to practice later on uh, for some criticism and to watch the tape and see how you did and all that kind of stuff. But if that's going on during while you're trying to perform, it's going to mess your performance off. And for me, for, for me, it definitely does.
0: For sure. I think another key, especially for those of you who maybe identify more with Adrian, where maybe you tend to overwork. One thing that I think is really useful for that kind of personality is to set your priorities ahead of time, like ahead of time is vague, but you know, at the beginning of the week, beginning of the month, whatever. Whatever your priorities are, whatever you have to do, set them. And the work that you do around those priorities is, is what you have to do. You're, you're fulfilling the obligation to yourself to get those things done. So any badgering that you have internally beyond that it is not useful. It's not helping you at all. Um, so I think as long as you know what your priorities are and you are working towards getting them done... You're winning, like that's it. Um, and so I think it helps to have clear boundaries for what your goals are rather than just working endlessly towards nothing specific. Because I think that's definitely something that's helped you from what I've seen on the outside is having a specific thing you're working towards, not just getting up in the morning and being like, okay, I have to work. Like, no, you have some things you have to get done. So having clear goals right. is helpful. Right,
1: but what what happens when your inner critics help you set those goals?
0: Ooh, that's interesting.
1: <laughs> if only this were video and your face could be shown right now. <laughs> For me, it's it's great, but my inner critic is oftentimes setting my goals with me. So when I'm sitting there setting my goals, it's like, well, that's not, that's not aggressive enough. That's not going to get you where you want to go to. You've got to increase the goals. And then when I meet those goals, it's basically losers set goals, achieve them and don't keep pushing. So, (laughs) so as a result, uh, you know, it's, and yes, should you achieve goals and then keep trying to push and see how far you should go? Yeah.
0: But that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to go out against having goals. I think you should continue to set goals. So set goal one, hit goal one, set another one after that and continue, continue. So it's not that, but I do think there's a certain, I know you're allergic to this word, but there's, and probably some of you out there are too. I'd be curious to know, uh, which of you identify with this, but being allergic to the word realistic, Oof. um, which that is, that is a, that is an hurt. R word. Are you oh itchy? yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it's not that And and I don't think, I think there's a difference between using realism as a crutch and using realism as bumpers, you know, so that you don't run yourself into the ground. There's a difference between those two usages of realism. And I think having a, a dash of realism in what you do in what you set your sights on is important for your mental health, because could you decide that, I'm going to run an Ironman by the end of the month, or I'm going to complete an Ironman by the end of the month? I mean, you could, but is that the best use of your time, your body, your energy? Probably not. So I think that's where realism is a useful tool, is kind of keeping your ambition in check.
1: It's tough for someone who defines themselves by their work, by their work ethic, to let go of that that source of, I will say a source of some, a source of some motivation and see what lies beneath. Like, what am I without those critics? Would I like what I, what, what that is? And would it help me, would it allow me to achieve my goal?
0: Yeah. And I think, I think it's my opinion, obviously, but I think that kind of, those kinds of beliefs come down to the need for for reprogramming, you know? Because obviously, whenever anyone has feelings that deeply entrenched that they need their inner critic in order to do whatever they need to do, you know, that that aware on a person because I think in general a little bit. shame thoughts are untrue you know things that that shame you as a person the thoughts you have that shame you are just they're, they're false and I think we're all worthy and deserving of acceptance and love and happiness and fulfillment and I think I believe anyway that we can attain all of those things by listening to our inner coach rather than our inner critic but obviously that takes a lot of mental gymnastics and reconditioning to make the coach louder than the critic
1: yeah and I mean
0: so how do you do that
1: (laughs) (laughs) well I I think that is different based on the different personality types but for my personality I would say that I need to ask myself a little bit more what do I actually want and prove to myself that I don't that I, I can get results that I want without listening to those voices. That if anything, my results will be even better. So I need to, in small little things to start off with, be able to see myself act as I would. Without the critics, without listening to all these different voices telling me to go this way, that t- telling me to go which way. And just go go with a little bit more like you do naturally, which was which is like a little bit more instinctive. Um, I think that I'm so kind of afraid of my instincts uh, not being as aggressive as the the critics that I don't listen to them often. And I think that shutting down the critics is listening to your instincts a little bit more, um, especially in my case. And I think whenever I do that, I realize... Like It's not like I don't work. It's not like I stop everything and, and never do anything. Actually, when I listen to my instincts, I tend to do things much more intelligently and, and just smarter in general than uh, when I listen to my critics and I'm just doing a lot of busy work.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely true for m- people who are more ambitious and kind of hustlers in their at their core. Um, for somebody like me, I think my inner critic is loudest whenever I feel insecure, and so it's important for me to honestly regularly challenge myself. Um, not so much that I am incapable of doing what I'm trying to do, but challenge myself a little bit often challenge myself a little bit, very often (laughs) is what I meant to say, Um, so that I get used to feeling a little bit uncomfortable and I get used to that feeling of, oh no, I can do this. It's okay for me to be uncomfortable Um, because especially for those of you who maybe identify more with my personality, you do not have to run from uncomfortable situations. It's not your job to avoid discomfort at all costs. Um, the way I try to see it is discomfort is sort of the price you pay for pursuing things that matter to you. Um, Discomfort is the price you pay for standing your ground. Discomfort is the price you pay for making your needs known. And discomfort is the price you pay for making sure that you're heard. So discomfort comes often. And I think for me, uh, whenever I expose myself to those uncomfortable moments, I become more confident, I become more comfortable, and therefore that critic is a little bit less loud. So I think that's a big one for my personality type and maybe some of yours as well. But I think yeah. it does depend on your personality.
1: Yeah, and, and I would say, like, I don't know that you say that laziness is, is your thing, but I don't think your, your, like your true self it would just want to sit back and do nothing. I think you would want to do do something. I think that the instinct part of you uh would if 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 you listened more to that, it would drive you to do things. It wouldn't just be like, "Oh yeah, sit back, do nothing and chill."
0: Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's not it's not that I know I it's not that I think I would want to do nothing. It's just my advice is definitely sit on the couch and be a little hermit. Right.
1: <laughs> but you know, I think it's funny because I think it's similar to, um, I, I get it's similar to anger. It can be used like critics can be used to drive you sometimes, but it, it it's it's a very dangerous tool because it, it, you cannot let it run run on, run off, because the moment it starts to drive everything it'll start to infect it in a way just like anger you can use anger to motivate you you can use a lot of these semi, you know seemingly negative emotions to motivate you but if you let it become the full driver and lose control of that that's when it starts to be a detriment more than a help
0: yes and I also think it's worth pointing out that I think even the Dalai Lama must have an inner critic. I mean, I don't think that it's possible to completely eliminate your inner critic and just never hear from them again. I think they're going to be there. They're going to come up occasionally. The goal is not to silence them forever because that's maybe an unrealistic goal.
1: (laughs) There's that word again.
0: (laughs) There's that word. But I do think it's entirely possible to make them a little bit less loud and to increase the volume on that inner coach instead. And I actually, I had put out the question to the Instagram community um, to see what your best practices were. And I'm actually just going to paraphrase because the same ones came up over and over again, but probably not surprising. A lot of people's talked about using mantras. And I think mantras have a, a, a reputation for being like, Om Shanti or be the love, be the light, you know, like, I don't think they have to be so profound. I think it can literally be, I am comfortable being uncomfortable or literally anything else that you need to hear. I think when creating a mantra or thinking of a mantra that resonates with you can be as simple as what is a phrase or word that you need to hear the most right now? Boom. There's your mantra.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, as you know, Uh, I wouldn't be the one to walk around chanting anything to myself. Um, But I will say that I guess this falls into uh, the mantra, I guess, envelope. But um, what what has started to work well for me is to tell the critics that they're not needed at that time. Same thing with any type of like, over anxiety or anything like that to say, you know, just appreciate it. You're not needed right now, kind of to myself, um, because it's a it's it, it's a reminder that, OK, I get where I get where that's coming from, but that's not ap- applicable right now. And to kind of put it in its place, because I think that's what 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 we're really talking about is when the critics start driving instead of you you know, and, and critics are horrible drivers, you know. Uh, the critics can critique all day, but they don't produce much. And so, uh, when the critic gets in the in the front seat, and then they get into the driver's seat, and you find yourself in the back seat, that's the problem. Because they will sit up there, argue amongst themselves, and end up going nowhere. So, it's important to, you know, you can keep them in the trunk, you know, kind of hear them every once in a while, but but to stay in the driver's seat and stay well in charge of it and not let them take over. Because that's where that's where things become uh, detrimental. And I've definitely seen it for myself. That's where the overworking, the doing things that aren't necessary, the doing things that don't lead anywhere, um, but are just to satisfy the voices that are saying, I'm going to be lazy or I'm not doing anything. And to really focus, you know, there's, there are times where you're going to be very much needed and you are going to be that, that, you know, that entrepreneur meme that talks about working a hundred hours, uh, so that you don't have to work 40 hours for somebody else or whatever the crap that thing is. But, and then sometimes it's going to be you sitting around because there's nothing for you to do at that moment. There's nothing important for you to do at that moment. And you need to be using that time to, kind of regain your strengths, but that's something that I've struggled with because that quiet time is when the critics get even louder, when they start telling me to fill that time with a whole bunch of things that I really don't need to be doing. So if you're at a pit stop, to use the analogy, if you're at a pit stop, use it as a pit stop, use it to refuel, use it to grab a snack, chill, maybe take a little nap, because you know you're gonna be on the road uh, later on, and you're going to need to put all your attention on there. But if you sit, tell yourself, "No, I need to make this pit stop really fast because I need to go, I need to go, I need to go," you're going to exhaust yourself. It's the old turtle and hare thing. You're you're going to you're going to sprint, but you're not going to last very long.
0: Yes, and also that definitely applies to not just entrepreneurs, but I hope that lands with. Any of you who are like in between jobs or wanting to change careers or you want to go down a different path and you feel like you're in this in between state, yeah, the critics get super loud in those moments, and it's okay to shut them down and and put them in the trunk. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: a very very uh, kind of hostile and and aggressive. <laughs> Uh, metaphor but yes i
0: know right wow we just we went really dark with with that one. i know i know <laughs> bad yogi anyway that's uh, a
1: blanket excuse for everything that we say anything that we don't inappropriate yeah exactly yeah.
0: um and uh, one more thing that i thought was worth mentioning that somebody talked about as a best practice for them was just a simple act of writing down the things you did well that day so on a day that the critic is particularly obnoxious Try to silence it by making a list of the things you did well, and I loved that they said that this. On some days, it's literally things as small as I sat by myself and I made myself a cup of tea, and it was the perfect cup of tea, you know. And I know that this makes you cringe, Adrian, because not from her perspective, <laughs> but like no, no, you no, know, no, no, not for her. It's hard to celebrate the small wins, and um, which I understand, but. It's important. It's kind of like making a gratitude list, but with things that you can be you can feel good about. It's yeah. not just gratitude.
1: Yeah. And I'm not going to say that my critic says they're called small wins for a reason. But yeah, no, oh, that's totally oh fine. Oh
0: my gosh. <laughs> Your critic is a savage.
1: No, no, really, really. That's yeah. just one of
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> But I think you do, uh, you do do that. Like you've gotten yeah, to no, better at, I've gotten. You're talking better. a you, lot of smack about your critic, but you've gotten better at keeping. Well, no,
1: the, the critic, the critic is the critic. But yeah. but no, you've helped me with that to kind of appreciate because you helped me kind of realize how much momentum you get from those small wins mm-hmm. that I took for granted because I felt like oh no, if I appreciate them, then that means um, I'm gonna you I'm gonna be lazy, right? You're gonna settle and and that's it. But it's actually it's actually those those winds make you kind of drive you to to kind of do the things you want to do more of rather than kind of drag yourself through the mud. So it, it actually, it energizes you to do things um, and ignoring them just makes it feel like a drudgery.
0: Totally agree. And I think there's... Every there's different solutions that work for everyone, you know. And so, what might work for one person might not work for you, and vice versa. So, I would definitely encourage you to experiment with what feels best and what uh, what things silence your critic the most. And I think we definitely will both be curious to hear what your favorite habits are for silencing the inner critic. If we didn't mention them. Um, I don't yeah. think I think my my mind personally are like I said doing things that make me a little bit uncomfortable because in the end I end up feeling more confident and the critic is quieter. Um, celebrating the small wins is something I like to do, and also just talking, like being open with someone that you trust and that you're close with. Um even if it's not a person but like journaling and writing it out can I, be gonna, used... I thought
1: you were going to say a dog.
0: A dog or a dog if I had They're a They're
1: great dog. listeners.
0: If <laughs> I had a dog I would Oh
1: boy. Talk to... All right. So moving forward
0: <laughs> I would talk to that dog all day. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> but Time yeah, get just dog. getting getting those feelings out in the open is really useful because not only does it air it out and just feels good to like get that stuff off your chest but to bounce those feelings off of another person and to have them counter your critic is also really useful.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, you had you you wanted to you had questions. But so.
0: I sort of asked you mine just in the flow of.
1: Oh, well then I'm, I, I thought mine were going to be separate.
0: No, I said they were in the flow. Okay. Yeah,
1: I know you said that, but it wasn't okay. Fine. So don't you don't want me to ask you?
0: Well, I would just cut this whole part out. <laughs>
1: Or you can leave it in, and I can ask you my questions.
0: Okay, ask me your questions.
1: Okay, my my first question is, does your inner critic have a face? No. Really? Really. Wow. No, like...
0: Does your inner critic have a face?
1: All five of them do.
0: Are you kidding?
1: Yeah, what do you mean?
0: That's super bizarre, am I right? Or is that just... Am I... I mean, really, a face? Yeah.
1: Yeah, like like uh, like uh, uh, their personality. Like you, you know the person. It's not like oh, my inner- it's my friend. It's my friend John. It's right. like it's like you've created a a person. An yeah, an archetype. Honestly,
0: my inner critic is myself. My inner critic is myself. I don't know. I guess I'll call it not a better version of myself, but a different version of myself. So it's me. I am my inner critic.
1: Is this one of those movies where they go the whole time and then they realize it was themselves? <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's just I am my own.
1: Oh, see, these, these are clear, like, individual kind of personalities that mm. are judging me on all different kinds of things. Anyway. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, my other question is, if your inner critic were a friend of yours, how would you, how would you respond to the way they talk to you?
0: I would probably think they were mean, but I'd be like, yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> would you really, though? Would you really, though? Because from seeing it on the inside, whenever, whenever a critique lands mm-hmm. and it lands, like you you, you, <laughs> you, hear feel, you hear it and you feel like it's true. Uh-huh. Your reaction isn't, well, you're mean, but I, I guess you're right.
0: Well, it is. That's why I get mad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think you're skipping the math part. <laughs>
0: I'm just very zen about the whole thing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No, No, I'm kidding. Like, Um, if it was your friend, like, a friend that talked to you, and and not just, like, one time or one thing, but repeatedly, mm -hmm. every time your inner critic speaks, your friend would, like, call you up or text you telling you this.
0: Ah, that would be a very heavy relationship. And, I, I mean, but this is an obvious one. It's like, oh, well, I wouldn't be friends with them for very long, which is true, because nobody wants to. Okay, hear but that. I mean,
1: it's true. But at the same time, I mean, it's kind of.
0: Well, look who you're. Look who is how. <laughs> Did, <you laughs> Did just... anyone just hear that? <laughs> it's just very funny. If you just heard a loud sound, that was because <laughs> I just ran my face into the microphone. That's my what face.
1: happens when you get you get really into the conversation and then you forget the microphone's there and you just like swing your head and start <laughs> to look at me.
0: Well, even nerdier is that. It's actually because my glasses are sticking out and they caught onto the thing. Anyway, what were you saying? You my were the friend, one getting upset. If yeah. I had a friend, though, yeah. was that me. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be friends with them because first of all, who says that? Who is that like abrasive as a person? But... Well, what, wait, I don't know. I don't know. It depends fr- on
1: how abrasive your friends are.
0: My friend, would that would be pretty abrasive. It would mm-hmm. be pretty blunt. And,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. But then what about you? What if you had a friend...
1: I uh, that was like this. Well, that this is kinda of the problem with, with mine is that if I had friends like that, I would I would probably want them around just to get their approval. And that's kind of the that's, that's dangerous. Man. I know, and that's keeping them in the driver's seat. So it's yeah. it's it's kind of for me it's more like, okay, nope, I wanna I wanna detach myself from that because it's not helpful, because it's over, it's too much. Uh to get their opinion every once in a while is one thing, but you know, on so a regular, it's the, too much.
0: What is, can you think of a scenario in which your inner coach was in charge and mm-hmm. made the right call where you could trust the inner coach I, over the inner critic? So
1: when you say the inner coach versus critic, I feel like the inner coach is me. Like I'm my, my instinct is I'm the one that knows what is best for me. And then there's the critics. So I, I think that's, that's how I separate them out, at least. Okay. So, um, and honestly, when I was saying about the, the, the solution and you were talking about experimenting for people to experiment, I think that's very much, that's very much what I do. I, I'm, you know, like, I want to experiment. Experiment to see what would happen if the critics weren't in charge and I was. You know? And honestly, I would say the majority of, of the good things that have happened... Uh, the things towards the goals that I've wanted have happened as a result of my uh, myself and not my instincts and not my critics. That was
0: it. Well, now I'm like, well, shoot, is my inner critic who is my... My inner critic is myself. So then am I right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is getting way too... Okay, <laughs> convoluted. Next question. Okay. Is your inner critic ever proud of you?
0: Um, I never asked.
1: Interesting. Well, I mean, I don't, do you ask your inner critic to criticize you? No. So they, they divulge that, (laughs) that quite easily.
0: Real easy to dispense the negative. Yeah. Yeah. Um.
1: I mean, I guess by the nature of it, it's a critic. I don't know. Right.
0: By the nature of it, I guess not. I don't, I I guess maybe that's it for me. The critic it only serves one purpose. It doesn't mm. have a face. It doesn't have a personality. Mm. It is me, mm-hmm. but it's some other version of me. Mm. And it's not around other than to say bad things. It's not like I'm. it keeps me company ever. It's just, <laughs> it's, it only shows up. It's my <laughs> pet. Yeah, it's my pet. It only shows up in like random times, like times when I feel insecure. So mm. I feel like it's not, it's not just hanging around. Does yours just hang around? It's like loitering. Oh yeah,
1: all five of them. They're
0: loitering. All the time. You need to put up a sign. Oh
1: yeah, something. yeah, yeah. No, I, I've quieted them down quite a bit, but, mm-hmm. but they definitely, yeah, it's, and, and it's funny because m- yours is internalized as you, mine's externalized as these individual people crit- critiquing me from the outside. Mm. That's, Something interesting. That is. I do what it what means, that but...
0: Are. Any psychologists out there want to uh, yeah, chime in? I'd <laughs> be very curious. I don't know.
1: You might, you might invite a, a, a floodstorm of... Uh,
0: a floodstorm. A floodstorm.
1: Flood flood <laughs> you, know, you ever had those floodstorms?
0: Lethal. <laughs>
1: Lethal <laughs> floodstorms. Shouldn't joke about floodstorms.
0: We shouldn't joke about anything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, okay. those were my three questions. I know they were out of turn, but... <laughs>
0: well, I just sort of weaved mine in very seamlessly, very artfully. Well, into maybe you're convers- just more
1: talented. Okay, maybe oh, that's it. Oh, no,
0: come on. Well, you know what? This was a good chat, and I think now's a good time for... A dinner or a meal. <laughs> Let's mow all this food. over. <laughs> it's always a good time for food. No, but seriously, we do want to hear what your best practices are. How do you quiet your inner critic and empower your inner coach? Uh, let us know. Shoot us an email um, from badyogi.com or reach out to me on Instagram at badyogiofficial. official. And hey, listen, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, do it. What are you waiting for? And also rate it. It really does help the community out because it makes it easier for everyone else to find. Um, I think that covers it for us. Yeah. Do you have any final do words? Do it.
1: If you didn't do it, that's your inner critic talking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're evil. We're evil. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, again, this is Aaron from the Bad Yogi. Well, everything. <laughs> but wow. this is the bad yogi
1: podcast. Yeah, if there are any psychologists out there for that one, could we could we read into it? this is Aaron from you know everything.
0: I said bad yogi everything. Because I was like the podcast, but obviously there's plenty more than the no, podcast. No, I
1: know. I think we all understood. I just like teasing you about Everybody
0: it. Everybody got it. You know what? This ending has become extremely awkward. And we're signing off in three, two, two one. one. Go bad yogi. Bye.